Welcome back to the Ben and Berg Show with your favorite MBA and high school dropout talking all things crypto, sport, investing, life, and business. Episode 20, and uh, I'm with my co-host Bergs. How are you, mate? Mate, I'm feeling really, really good. I can't believe it's episode 20. 2-0, mate. How good? That's 20 weeks. Half, nearly been going at this half a year. Jesus. Mate, unbelievable. And you've actually shown up. Like, you keep cancelling and reschedule, but you're here, mate. It's amazing. Well, we, do, we do an hour pre-show where you absolutely roast me where I'm nearly ready to just fucking give up and you can just do the show on your own. Just call it the Berg Show. Where you carry mate, on. you're ready to give up all the time. You know, you got to be professional. you got to show up all the time. And like, mate, Ben roasted me so hard, I had to take my jumper off. Like, I got too hot. I was getting hot under the collar. I don't give up, mate. I don't give up. I give up when I'm fucking talking to you. Right, today, anyway, oh. big, big show, big show. We've got crypto. We're talking the state of play uh, and we're pulling in uh, one of uh, our membership posts from Collective Shift, our head of research, Matt, how he's tackling the crypto market right now, how he's investing, exactly what he's doing. Talking about a little bit about AI again off the back of uh, last week's episode, uh, going into uh, the Ethereum blockchain versus Flow blockchain. So talking about some of the new NFTs built on the Flow blockchain. So, you know, the things like UFC, the NBA, uh, we've also got uh, the NFL, Dr. Seuss. These NFTs are not being built on Ethereum. We're going to talk about the Flow blockchain. Uh, then we're going into business, talking about why Bergs is such a shit bloke because he's an NBA. Um, Mate, thank you. No, I've copped a lot of hate. There's continually people just hating on NBA. So I'm going to set the record straight because that is a bunch of bullshit. So we're going to get into that. We're going to get into what would a Ben and Bergs summit slash conference look like. And we're getting into personal growth. So did Ben actually achieve his challenge this week? And uh, what event happened in Dubai that caused us to cancel this podcast? We'll see if Ben wants to talk about it or not. Mass chaos. We're going to make him. <laughs> <laughs> it's an extreme Ben event. Ben is so extreme. Listen, we'll talk about the end of the pod. He's going to cop a roasting. It's going to be glorious. <laughs> I cop it roasting every week, man. The listeners know. I just cop it from you. Week in, oh, week out. Look, if they had to work with you, they'd be the same, mate. <laughs> okay, let's get into it. So Matt did a deep dive for our members uh, last week around basically why he hasn't bought any crypto this year and when he will. So I wanted to just maybe touch on a little bit about this post, go through a bit about how Matt's seen the market and then Bergs, we can discuss it. So um, really where we're at, I mean, the 2022 has just been an absolute nightmare for all uh, assets, especially, especially those, um, you know, uh, assets like stocks and crypto, um, and even the risk off assets. So, you know, some of the more, um, you know, assets that people tend to go into when, when the markets are crazy have seen their worst year. Things like bonds have been absolutely um, just, you know, basically blown up the last few months as well. So inflation continues to be high. Um, they're, we, we thought inflation was going to be um, transitionary, but it's uh, continuing to be at stubbornly high levels. Um, uh, inflation sitting around 8.2 in the US, 10% in the Euro, 10.1% in the UK, and 6.1% in Australia. So um, for, for those who don't know, most developed economies tend to aim for yearly inflation around the 2 to 3% mark. So we're about you know three to 500% higher um, than most uh, economies tend to aim for. So, yeah. It's wild. And we it's know that we know the 6.1 is bullshit anyway. Like, look yeah. at your food costs, your petrol costs, everything you buy every day, way more than 6.1% increase. 100%. Uh, we're also seeing the US dollar at near multi-decadal highs against major currencies. So like the yen, the pound, the euro, even the Australian dollar has really sold off. Um, and with this rising dollar around the um, 
global economy, it's pushing everything up. You know, import costs from other countries, um, adding to existing inflationary pressures, uh, you know, squeeze any person into your government that's borrowed in dollars. So it's putting a lot of pressure on non-US central banks to raise rates. Uh, we're seeing Europe in a suffering energy crisis, mainly because of the ongoing Russia and Ukraine war, uh, which doesn't seem to be any any anytime soon. And Bitcoin has been trading between the 18,500 and 24,500 mark for 130 days straight. So That's nearly huge. a year since it passed its record high of 69,000. So yeah, look, it's, it's fascinating. And with crypto, you know, remaining is pretty tiny in, you know, in terms of the total asset class size, market cap sitting around a trillion dollars. Um, more, more than 70% of that is sitting in Bitcoin, Ethereum and stablecoin. So less than 30% is sitting in the altcoin market. So everything has been wiped out in crypto books. Mate, I think this was one of the best posts I've written and it got the most reactions on our platform. So this is by Matt Williamson, our head analyst. And it's just titled, Why I Haven't Bought Any Crypto This Year and When I Will. And just for him, like what he's doing year to date, what he's looking for, and he's still buying NFTs, but it's just trading within that band. It was just such a good dose of realism. It was just amazing. And this really fits in and aligns with what I'm doing as well, where I'm not buying in heavy. I'm still dollar cost averaging every couple of weeks and getting my allocations, but not piling in heavy, you know, because like signaling this is the bottom of the market, right? Yeah, and then the biggest mistake Matt really lined out here was that he bought the dip too many times in 2018. So, uh, you know, like many beginners uh, in the crypto space, you know, he, he called himself back then a serial buyer of the dip. So the amount of times uh, people were calling, buy the dip, buy the dip, buy the dip, it subconsciously affected his decision making. So after more and more time in the market, he learned that the, most of these people were bias holders protecting their altcoin bag, which led to poor capital management. So you know, by spending too much cash buying the dips in Q1 2018 before we had the complete capitulation, he wasn't able to really invest at the bottom of the market. So he'll be yeah. re so right now he hasn't bought any crypto this year. He'll be recommencing buying his Bitcoin and ETH once one of the two following scenarios happen. So one is that we get more certainty that this year's tightening of the monetary policy is having its desired effect, i.e., um, you know, basically that inflation starts to come down and we get interest rate, sorry, inflation starts to come down and interest rates start to come down so we we know that this is really the bottom. Um, and or Bitcoin and Ethereum have a flash crash, meaning that capitulation like we saw back in uh, November of 2018, um, sorry, 2019, when we had that capitulation down to 3,000. If we see those uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum go below 16,000 and $1,000 respectively, um, he'll be buying at those levels, although he doesn't see that as a very high likelihood. So. Yeah, he hasn't been buying. Um, and, and okay, and for the other, other people in the market too, why are we still here? Well, you know, in Matt's opinion, he firmly believes Bitcoin and smart contract um, optimized blockchain will change the world. If they, if you know, if he didn't think that, he would have left the industry years ago. Yep. Um, the pace of innovation, the amount of money that's coming into space, the sheer number of talent that's coming into blockchain and crypto is particularly strong. Uh, and the zero knowledge technology and blockchain architecture is, is going gangbusters. So. Um, he expects um, the markets to continue probably uh, chopping this way for a little while, but you know he's looking really forward to covering the markets and um, you know the, the growth of crypto's market size is going to be hyper over the coming um, months and years. So still continue to be very, very bullish long-term, Bergs, but yeah, in the short term with the macro 
uh, environment going on and just you know you know everything that's pushing against crypto probably don't see much catalyst for for these prices to come out anytime soon and matt's making two really amazing points there where even him you and i we're investing something more valuable than our money and that's our time that is the most precious non-renewable resource that we have and it's not just for a wage we could like honestly we're in a startup we could go work anywhere else and we'd earn more money right it's because we truly believe in this long term and we think it will be a huge fundamental shift in the way that finance, digital technologies and ownership actually work. And for me, it's about thinking, okay, I'm 80 years old and I look back and I would have so much regret if I didn't work in crypto and didn't give it a go because I'm that confident of where this is heading and we're already seeing that. We're right on the edge, the early adopters, and we see it. That's why we're here and we're waiting for it to become more usable, pretty much like AI is today, which we'll talk about in a sec. And then the other thing that Matt said was he was a habitual dip buyer. And what that means is at prices we're seeing you know, around now, people are like, oh, this is the dip. I need to buy. I need to accumulate. The challenge with that is if you've got $100 to invest and let's say you put in $10 per week, at the end of 10 weeks, you've got no more capital to invest. That is a problem. And what Matt is saying is he's more sophisticated and he's holding back more capital and he's investing smaller amounts, but he still has a decent capital sum to invest for that huge capitulation event and that final shakeout that he thinks is coming. And I think that's a brilliant strategy to have. Always have some money on the sidelines. Yeah, I, I certainly fall in that trap as well. I've, I've spent all my cash. I don't have cash sitting on the sidelines. And if you have cash sitting on the sidelines right now, you're sitting really pretty because you have the opportunity to take up those those you know, real downside um, you know, market crashes. And although probably not likely, if it does happen, you're going to be very well positioned to take um, take poise of that. So, you know, yeah. Warren Buffett you, also is a huge cat, you know, a believer of having a shitload of cash on the sideline. Yeah, and you buy when people are fearful. That's when you get greedy. And if you do have, if you are cash heavy, these are the times where you need to start looking to investments. Where is the best place to put my cash? What is value for money? A lot of people have lost 40, 50% of their net worth. What are those assets? Why are they down? What's the outlook long-term? Is it stocks? Is it Bitcoin? Is it currency? Is it commodity? Is it bonds? What is it that you need? And you need to invest in those assets to beat inflation. You need to have a strategy and go for it. You're in a very good position if you cash heavy. Um, Bergs, before we get into the AI bit of taking the limelight of crypto, I wanted to touch on this person that sent 5,000 Bitcoin, $96 million um, the other day. <laughs> using Bitcoin. How much did he pay as a transaction fee to send $96 million somewhere? 208 sats, which is four cents. Four <laughs> cents to send $96 million. And just the kicker for this is it was a two of three multi-sig. And what that means is when you're sending a transaction, there's three people that can authorize it. Two of them need to sign. So these people might not even like, you know, they'll be in different parts of the world. They can sign a transaction. Another one can do it a bit later on. That transaction will go. It'll go from like fund or person or whoever, account A to account B, sending $96 million worth of value for four cents. Could you imagine if you use like a bank or a centralized yeah. place, they would take like what, a million dollar clip off that minimum? Yeah. A million dollars to go database yeah. one to database two. You could literally make a phone call and be like, bruh, add this to your databases on the way. Yeah, a million bucks. 
they literally wouldn't approve. You go into the bank. Could you imagine going to a bank going, hey, I need to send $96 million. They'd be like, oh, no. Oh, goodness. Fill out this paperwork. What for? We need to get this approved. No. Mate, what, what, you know, it, like... <laughs> in Australia, they get the fucking prime minister on the phone and be like, oh, this guy <laughs> wants to send $96 million. We think it's a bit sus. You better come down and verify, mate. Mate, you can't get $2,000 out of the ATM. You know, like, it's ridiculous. I, <laughs> I tried to get, I think it was something really small, like $4,000 because I needed to make... Yeah. Um, a purchase for like a household item and they're like oh you need to call ahead you need to do this we don't have that kind of money i'm like you're a bank like what are you doing like if you don't have four grand there's problems and i kicked up a stink and they ended up giving me the money yeah and, and, and let's just be clear they don't have your money <laughs> yeah that's it that's it right i'm like i've got more than this in my bank <laughs> so you're saying out of all the cash you hold you're supposed to have five percent cash they're like nah we, you just can't rock up and you just can't have that amount of money and I'm like, I'm paying a tradie for a bloody job, mate. Like, he wants cash. He's fucking talking my ear off. I'll just come down so he bloody buggers off out of my house. Like, it was ridiculous. I could yeah. not believe it. Phoning ahead and planning ahead for such a pissy amount of money. Um, so, you know, the, the other thing as well, which is interesting in Bitcoin right now, is that um, it's reached the lowest... Vol- it's, it, Bitcoin's volatility over the last few month period has reached lower than the S&P index and the NASDAQ index. So Bitcoin is this thing that's been shouted out from the rooftops as the most volatile asset on the planet. Why would you <laughs> buy it? You're going to lose all your money. It's less volatile than the stock market right now. <laughs> and Bitcoin's like, look at me. I am stability now. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Now, that's not to say that it's not going to be the most you know, volatile because it will be, but... You know, it's, it's continuing to show that this is a mature asset class. Like Bitcoin is holding up really, really well against all the other fair currencies that are crashing. Um, you know, and over time as Bitcoin matures and more capital comes into this space, Bitcoin will continue to be this non-correlated uh, yeah, yeah. asset uh, that you can store your, your capital in. You can send it without needing to go to the bank. You can do all these things in complete freedom in Bitcoin without needing a bank or an institution to control it. So yeah, yeah. fascinating. Love it. We see the future, mate. We're there. We're there. <laughs> and and look, so crypto and Web3 has copped a bit of a beating lately. Uh, thanks to me, old mate AI, artificial intelligence. <laughs> and look, it's still in the limelight from crypto. And I'm like, why is this happening? And why now? From a crypto perspective, it's because crypto is quite boring, right? Everyone likes the price action. No one's really into the technology. And the technology is kind of future-facing. The thing that AI has is it's really easy to understand, right? Like it's difficult to understand like the technology behind it, but no one cares about that. They don't care about the technology. They care about what it can do for me. And these AI apps, these small SaaS apps that are coming out are immediately applicable and the value proposition is clear. And you can begin using it in two minutes. And the whole thing is, okay, let's say I want to get into crypto, man. That's, that's not a two minute journey, mate. <laughs> you're like, excuse me, you got to learn about this. You got to sign up, you got to KYC, you got to do everything. I can go to somewhere like copy.ai or moonbeam.ai and I can go onto their site and I can click Google Connect. I can type in words and within two minutes, AI is generating content for me. And I can then decide if the value proposition for me is there or if it is not. If it applies to my job, if it does, great. I'll pay the 20 bucks a month. My job just became... 20% easier. The value proposition is so clear. And it's immediate. It's not long-term like crypto. With crypto, we're waiting for mass adoption. We're waiting for great user interfaces and experiences. We're waiting for really proper use cases that we don't necessarily need right now in developed countries because we can use banks. 
And it's a long-term investment thing. People are willing to wait multiple years. That's why it's kind of losing some of that attention. And AI just feels like, you know, it feels like the future and it feels like an immediate competitive advantage. You feel like you're cheating and you're in the future and you can do something. It just feels great. And that's why all these people are using all these technologies of kind of, they've reached a critical mass where all these technologies have come together where an average developer can take those technologies, build an interface around it and deliver a SaaS product for a niche. It's just absolutely incredible. And mate, I've got to tell you, so I was on, uh, I'll shout out Danny Postman again for Stock AI. I love this site. I was typing in all these, it's basically you type in a few words and it shows an image of whatever that is. It generates one. And I was having a great time. I was generating all this stuff. And then I decided to type something in, something a bit weird. I typed in Ben Simpson Collective Shift. <laughs> and this is what it came up with, mate. Look at this. You've got some random guy on a couch. You've got another guy on the couch with messy rooms. You've got Homer Simpson with a really weird face. And you've got some guy with, I don't know, is he making pies? And he's stuck in between two bloody tables. He's got another hand touching his chin. None of this makes what? sense at all. And look, and look, hang on, look at this. This is my favorite one by far. Look at this, look at this lad. So this is the classic Ben Simpson photo. You've got a guy. I don't know what's going on with his face. It's a bit wrong. His hand doesn't make sense. His foot, I don't know what that is. And next to him looks like a prosthetic leg, even though he doesn't need it. He's got random implements on the floor here. He's got a yellow and red couch and some really weird art. So, look, all i got to say, Ben, is AI is definitely the future, mate. You can see how good it is right there. <laughs> no, you sent that to me. I didn't even reply. I was like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> that makes no sense. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. The thing with AI is, like, you don't know if it's going to correlate to data that exists so it, quote, understands what you're doing and actually really what it is. It's searching for something, generating something in the hopes that it's what you want. But the more niche you get, the more weird it is. And I'm like, oh my God, AI is just strange. But this is the thing. So yeah, it's all, everyone's pivoting to AI. Investment is going towards AI. Crypto is no longer the flavor of the month, mate. Berks, you want to quickly just give uh, the, um, some of the listeners like some actual, web, like even for me, some websites where you can actually go to use AI and like try it out yourself. Like you mentioned. Oh, you, definitely. What are, the, what are the ones? Yeah. So the ones I would recommend, if you're writing like, typing kind of content, blog posts, um, Instagram hashtags, it'll come up with he catchy headlines. Uh, the ones you can go to are Copy AI, uh, Moonbeam.ai. There's another one called Jasper. They're probably the leading ones. And then for ones for image generation, you can look at uh, StockAI.com, which is by Danny Postma. And there's Interior AI by Levels.io. Uh, they're definitely the ones I would go to. There's also an AI newsletter, which I'll post in the show notes uh, that has a roundup of all these products. And it's really great because every week you'll get a roundup and it's like, this guy created this and you can just click on it. You can go to their site. You can see what it's about. You can see if it's for you. They're the ones I'd definitely be hitting up. And you can also just literally jump on Twitter or Google and Google things like uh, DALL-E, D-A-L-L hyphen E, Stable Diffusion, um, and I forget the other one, but I'll chuck it in the show notes. Sweet, man. I'm going to check out Copy AI. That looks, that looks cool. Yeah, that, that was a good one. Moonbeam's really good. Definitely, if you just do two, do those. Okay. Like Copy AI and Moonbeam and just try it at your job. It's free to sign up with Google and you get, I don't know, 2,000 words for free. 
type in some words and see if it makes a difference to you, whether it's crafting email, doing a blog, doing catchy headlines for Instagram, or even just idea generation. So if you're trying to convey something to a colleague and you're writing an email or you need to do a report, type in what you've got and it will generate further ideas and points for you to then put into your report. It's a really great tool. Get amongst it. Yeah, awesome, man. We're gonna check it out. Uh, the last thing I want to touch on in crypto, Bergs, is some of the major NFT sporting NFTs uh, have been developed over the last few months. So we've uh, last, you know, I guess year or so. So we've got the likes of NBA, UFC, NFL, Dr. Seuss. Uh, that's not that's not sport, but um, some major companies like Do- uh, Dr. Seuss, Samsung, uh, Ubisoft, CryptoKitties, Animoca Brands. These Warner are the biggest Musical, brands, biggest brands in the world. And they're not being built on Ethereum, which is the largest uh, layer one blockchain where a lot of NFTs are built. There you go. This is, this is fascinating. They're being built on what's called the Flow blockchain, uh, ticker F-L-O-W for Flow. So Dapper Labs is the creator of, um, of this uh, Flow blockchain. And basically it's purpose built to support NFT collectibles and large scale crypto games. So. Um, Flow is basically a blockchain that is designed for extensive scaling without the use of sharding. So it provides a fast and low cost transaction that makes sense for dApps such as NFT marketplaces, crypto video games. Uh, and yeah, it's really been created to solve the congestion problem that we saw back in the day when CryptoKitties was created. It completely basically shut down the Ethereum <laughs> blockchain with the amount of like fees it was, the gas fees it was creating. This, so This is it. Whenever you have new technology, you deploy cats on it and it will just blow up and it will destroy it. So this is guaranteed. Whenever you have any new technology, deploy cats on it and it will just destroy it. It will obliterate <laughs> everything. People will just come running towards it. We saw this with lolcats on the internet, cat videos on YouTube and CryptoKitties on Ethereum. <laughs> so uh, we won't go into like how flow works but basically um it's it's making it easier for bigger brands to come onto the uh blockchain uh because of the scalability but also has a little bit more uh centralization so it allows you to interact with the blockchain a little bit easier making these um you know uh i guess businesses and companies have more control and, uh, and allow them to modify the blockchain and the games a little bit easier so it's an interesting one, Bergs, uh, with with the growth of a lot of these uh, NFT collectibles in sport uh, yep. and businesses, uh, yeah. and Flow looks to be really killing it. So, yeah, it, I don't know. Um, it's one of those blockchains that doesn't get a lot of limelight, but has a lot of actual real world utility yeah. and a lot of real world clients. From a business perspective, I really like this because it solves a specific problem, and the problem is that if you're deploying on Ethereum. It's a general purpose blockchain. You can do a lot of stuff on it. There's no Ethereum management you can call. You can't roll things back. If you've got a problem, you're stuffed and you're competing with everyone for gas prices. So it's pretty much like Uber. You're competing. If everyone wants a Uber, you're paying surge pricing. That's not going to be good for your customers. And if you think you're, you know, you think about this, you're a big brand. You've got um, your brand to protect and you want a good experience for your customers, but you also want to use newer technologies. Are you gonna use something like Ethereum or are you gonna use something that has the majority of the new technology, feels like the new technology, but you have more ownership and control and you have better pricing and just a better experience for your customers and you can perhaps innovate faster. That is what I really like about this. And from an investment perspective, uh, Berg's flow is down right now 96% from its all-time high. Oof. 
It is. It topped out at forty-two dollars back in April and is currently sitting at a dollar fifty. This is That's, one I'd look into yeah. for for those people that are wanting to get into crypto and want like an actual sort of real world. If you talk about utility, you know, this is one of the one asset, one crypto asset I'd look into. There's a potential, um, you know, well, something that you know has got real revenue and real clients, and you know, I would think it's pretty undervalued at the moment. And definitely not financial advice. Definitely but this relates advice. to a really important point that yes, this is a blockchain. Yes, they've got customers. Yes, I've got a token. But why should I invest? And perhaps we'll go through some things that people that are new that can perhaps help them out and things that they can look at when they're considering these different projects. And generally when a thing like this happens, and again, you know, you might not be technically competent or understand everything that's going on, but if someone is releasing a token, I want to know how much of the token is there, right? And who owns that token? Do VCs own it? Do the general public own it? Are they using it on the blockchain? Or do... You know, does a company own it? Where is it? And then is there a lot of it locked up that can be dumped on the market? And the thing is like sometimes companies will release a token and there won't really be any utility or incentive to use it to keep buying, to keep that buy pressure, but they've released it to get funds to build their product. So you need to know why this token exists, who it is for, and then also look at the price that it is. Like if it needs to go up a certain amount for you, what would that take in real dollar terms? Would it have to double the application of that blockchain? And what does that look like? And you need to think through this as well as their future roadmap. Look at the things like the team. Are they able to execute? Do they have a history here? Have they raised enough money? Have they raised too much money? Are they complacent? Are they active on their Twitter and Discord? Are they constantly releasing betas? Do they have a Git repository you can look at so you can actually gauge the activity? Look at all of these things because not only uh, can you invest in them, but these are tech companies, but they're also crypto companies that have treasury management and a lot of things going on in the back. Yeah, a lot of great, things to consider. Great points, Berg. So I'm going to uh, put in the description below. We've just recently done a resource on how to look into token economics on collective shifts. So we'll put that in the description. Plus, we'll also add, we do have a Flow blockchain asset page. So over at Collective Shift, if you're looking into any crypto asset, uh, we've reviewed over 60 different assets in our assets library. Um, and you can look under what Flow is, uh, basically what it does, the utility of the token, and a bullish and bearish analysis from our internal analysts. So if you're wanting to do deeper research on crypto, head over to Collective Shift. We'll add those links below. Uh, Absolutely. Awesome, Bergs. Let's get into the business side of things, mate. So you had this fancy long ass LinkedIn name, right? What I don't even know what the fuck it is. All I see is Aaron Berkuber. You got all this, you know, mumbo NBA, yeah, I see they. Mate, they're what my pronouns, the bitch. fuck does that even mean? Are you a she, he, they, or them? What does that mean? I'm a BTC slash ETH, mate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I haven't even thought about my pronouns. Cisgendered, he, him, there you go. You can call me day them. I don't really care. You call me. Everyone calls me dickhead anyway. It doesn't really matter too much. I'm not. I'm not very um, particular about it. Um, What's an MBA though? Let's let's break it down. You get you cop a lot of shit, mate. You know I don't like you. A lot of people don't like you. Why is it, mate? You got this MBA. Yeah, fucked. It's not because. Of, <laughs> wait, because of my MBA or just generally? <laughs> no, if, even if you didn't do the MBA, I wouldn't like you. But MBA makes You're it worse. You're a piece so of shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into this because I have I've seen so many people posting this shit on Twitter. I've been getting into fights with them, and I'm like, get fucked. Okay, so an MBA is a Master's of Business Administration, right? And what this means is you go to uni, generally four years part time, one year full time, and you learn a shitload about business. You learn things like organizational behavior. So in that, there's uh, leadership, motivation, people management, a whole bunch of stuff. 
economics, marketing, finance, accounting, uh, legal stuff. You just do heaps and heaps. So, and really these are all the kind of facets of a business. And I've got to say, let's, let's start off at the basics. People hate on MBAs and generally it's the United States people because they cost a lot of money. So if you're in the States and you go to a top tier university, an MBA is about 200,000 US dollars. In my opinion, like that is ridiculous. Is it worth it? Probably. Because if you think about it, if you're going to you know, Harvard or Stanford or whatever it may be, if you're going to one of these places and you're getting a top tier MBA, that says something about you. It says you're qualified in a certain way, you're at a certain level, and you will automatically catapult yourself to a certain job. If you work in consulting, you'll likely pay that money back in, I don't know, four years, something like that. You will, you, you will generally earn a lot of money. It's a big stepping stone for people. It's why they have it. What's the Stanford like, boot MBA? Masters of Business Administration. Okay. And how long so they're teaching you? you to be a business leader, to understand all the facets of business. And how long does it take to do the course? Fuck, I just went through all this shit. You're not fucking listening. <laughs> but can you do it full time or can you do it part time? Yeah, full time, I mean, full time, one year, and they guarantee you a job at the end. Gotcha. Or you can do it up at least generally four years part time, or you can spread it out to like eight yeah. while you're working full time. Did you do? But I thought yours was longer than a year. <clears throat> no, mine was four years. I did it part time. Did part time. So I did it while I was working full time, and it was about gotcha. twelve hours extra per week. Yeah. Okay. So this is the thing, and if it's two hundred grand, that would probably be a blocker for me to do it in the states. In Australia, it's very different. So I went to one of the accredited top 100 ones, so like a decent one, and that cost about $60,000 for the whole course. Now, it's not you pay $60,000. You get a thing called fee help. So the government pays your fees, and then the money that you earn, your wages at a certain percent get garnished, and they pay it back. So if you never earn any money the rest of your life, you will not pay this back. It's only when you're earning a certain amount of money, they take a few percent off, and it pays back that loan. The other thing is this is spread out over four years. So you've only got that small amount up front. With the amount that I was earning, I would generally just pay it off as it goes because uh, it would just come out of my wages. The other thing is you can also claim a tax discount on this. So a lot of people don't know this. They don't know you can actually claim the fee help, right? And please fucking just talk to your accountant about this because I was, I was talking to our accountant about this and I was like, nah, lad, I'm pretty sure we can do this. Eh? He's like, well, I'm not sure. I'm like, nah, lad, I'm pretty sure. And we went for it and it was fine. Like I got ordered and it was great. So get your fee help and then you can still claim a 30% discount or whatever your marginal tax rate is as an education expense. So for me, I was working at the hospital. I was in a management role and I was doing a management degree. All of those line up so I can claim that as an education expense. So that takes 18 grand off. It's 42 grand over however many years it takes to pay back. And this, that is a very good trade. And the reason, and, and let's just go into entry requirements as well. So, and who should do an MBA? Let's just fucking start there. Who should do an MBA? I think the entry requirements hold on, hold on. are. Hold up, let's, yeah. let's get back a step. What, what were the things that you now, four years on after completing your MBA, like what have you gotten out of that course? Let's start with like, what are the like the actual oh, sure. sort of like, like let, let's get that and then let's work back and figure out who, who should actually do it. All right, let's get into it. The things I have now is. <clears throat> I think I was very, I was a very technical person. I, I studied information systems, so I had like one kind of skill set. I was actually incredibly introverted, nerdy, didn't understand a lot of stuff. And what the MBA does for you, it's not about a piece of paper. It's about personal growth. You're thrown into these difficult situations, and not only are you working full time and you're probably in a management role, 
you have to go with these other people at night. You go generally once a week for three hours. You have to study. You have to read all this literature. And the literature we're referencing is literally like our lecturer. It's like that high quality of like you're learning the latest trends in services marketing or you know some kind of strategic management, whatever it may be. Let's take marketing for an example. And this is probably the best way I can explain it. I did marketing as my first unit and my first thought was, ugh, marketing, yuck. Like disgusting, gross. You're going to be running ads or some shit. I was like, you're a fucking idiot, right? So I rock up. And honestly, it is just business cases about what Coke did, what model they used, how they pivoted, all these strategic models and frameworks on how to assess how to do a new product, which market to go into. It was just hardcore strategy. But the kicker on this was whenever you do an assignment, you have to relate it to your current business. So I was working at the hospital and let's say we're doing services marketing or in, within the first seven weeks, you have to do an assignment and we're a service industry. So all the business problems I had, whether they were you know, um, communication problems, employee problems, whatever it may be, I applied the service profit chain, which is a marketing model to my business and I have to write that report. I have to get it marked and I have to give it to my boss as well. Like it's incredible. So not only are you learning, you're applying it to your work, but here's the really big kicker. So while we were doing that in marketing, we had to run a program called MarkStrat. And basically we got into groups of six and we had to make these, these things. They were called Sonites and Vodites. It doesn't really fucking matter. It's like smartphones and let's say smartwatches. Everyone starts off and you've got different resources, different inputs. You've got market analysis data and you have to decide within that week, you've got to get together with your team, apply everything you've learned and be like, what are we going to build? What attributes are these smartphones going to have? Are they going to have big screens, small screens? How many are we going to produce? How much are we going to spend? And all this, how are we going to brand it? All this sort of shit. Where are we going to spend our money? At the end of the week, they run the simulation and immediately you get the results. So you're playing against 10 other teams, right? Right? <laughs> and it'll come back. Oh, you sold all of your things. But that, then you're like, fantastic. I've got money for next week. I don't have the base level. I'll be able to do more stuff. But what happens is you didn't produce enough. So you've got lost sales or you produced the wrong thing and no one wanted it or your competitors beat you and they took the entire market. So you're constantly getting this feedback and applying all the models that you're learning. Like you are real marketers sitting in a war room trying to beat this. Or if you produce too much, then you have to pay extra money because you have to house something in a warehouse. It's incredible. And then it's like a technological rust. You can put money into R&D till you create what were smartwatches and then you can capture the entire market. So we saw how markets played out and how you need analysis, predict trends, apply all these models. It was just phenomenal. So what this did for me was it gave me it's like I have an ability to speak 12 other languages now. Yeah. Like, fuck, I can understand accounting, managerial finance, quite a lot of like legal stuff. And it just yeah. gives me the ability to feel comfortable in any room. I can speak yeah. to anyone in a business about any topic. And it gives me the knowledge as a manager to talk to an expert at a level where I can understand and direct them. Yeah. And the whole thing about being an MBA is you don't sink. Like they train you so well that they'll throw you in the deep end and you will float no matter what it is. You'll have experience or a knowledge or a network to be able to apply to that. And really what you're doing here is you're going, what it did for me was I went from a specialist, which was just this huge kind of information systems and system designer to a generalist yeah. right across. And it was a team model employee. And this is important because when you employ people in and you're like, okay, let's say Ben, you work in a lab, you're a technical guy, you fucking do blood tests. Okay, now you're a manager how can you expect that person to succeed? Like, I'm not saying they need an MBA, but they don't have any management training. They don't understand 
people, motivation, human behavior, all of these things. And really, when you go through this and you're with all these other people and the experiences they have, you just grow so much as a person. And it's not just while you're doing your MBA, you apply that for the rest of your life and you come out a completely different person. Mm. Yeah, and, uh, and even in our startup or any startups, like as a, you need to be generalist, not specialist. So like yeah. you could go into any of our meetings, Bergs, and add a lot of value, whether it be strategy, finance, product, marketing, whatever. Um, and what I loved about you know the skill sets you bring is these real like really clear, simple models and frameworks to think it's something very simply and always have some sort of very simple, clear methodology. Especially when we have like problems or strategy we need to work through, there's always something you've pulled from maybe your MBA or networks where we sit down and we do um, we just map it out. Uh, with yeah. the, the the Varo model, competitive analysis, uh, pricing models, like whatever. Even the is. meeting we just had, right, with those couple of guys, where yeah. I'm like, hold on a minute, it took like one minute to understand what was going on, and then reframe the entire conversation for everyone, yeah. so we know exactly what we're talking about, and everyone's on yeah. the same page. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's it's good. Who do you recommend does this course? Fucking everyone, mate. So <laughs> honestly, like. <clears throat> I recommend this to everyone. I've seen quite a few of my mates do it and come out just completely different humans. Like they are so, they understand the spectrum. They operate in the gray now. They understand the nuance. Things aren't black and white to them anymore. So I would recommend this for anyone. And okay, let's look at the type of person. Don't do this when you're young. Do not do it when you're young. I know people that have done that fresh out of their undergrad or had a couple of years experience and they wish they had done it later. So I started this when I was 32. So I had a decent amount of work experience and I was at that level where I needed something more. And actually this this came about because when I was working with uh, Fiona, you get the talk and the talk is, do you want to do research? Do you want to do a PhD? Do you want to go into medicine? And in my head, I was like, fuck all that noise. I want to do an MBA. <laughs> so I went to the pub with my mates and there was about 10 of us. We all agreed to do it. And only Josh and I were the ones that signed up to do it. <laughs> really? right? like, this was just yeah. at the pub. And we're yeah. like, look, this is what, like if you look at any person on a board or in you know a higher position, quite a lot of them have done an MBA or they've gotten to that position and they've done an executive MBA out at Harvard or something like that. And there's a reason for that because it teaches you really well and it gives you a really awesome base of knowledge. And yeah. you're just much better for understanding those different areas. Yeah. And I want to highlight something as well. So people that should do it, have at least like the, the entry criteria is 65% of your undergrad. If you haven't gone to uni, it's eight years work experience. I think that eight years work experience is great. And I probably wouldn't do it before you're 30 um, unless you've had a shitload of experience and you're looking to get into it. And the type of person to do it, if you're in a management role, you're going to continue in that or you're going to change industries. I highly recommend the part-time one to do it while you're learning so you can apply it to your business. If say you're a teacher and you want to completely reskill to a consultant or get into another industry, or if you're an engineer, like over half our cohort was engineers because it was a big downswing and they wanted to reskill, um, do the full-time one because the full-time one's amazing. You're placed with businesses, you go to Silicon Valley, you learn so much stuff, you get connected with the, the best business leaders and at the end of it, you're guaranteed a job, which is just phenomenal. Like any consulting company will snap you up. I, I cannot recommend it enough. And it, the thing is, the pathway is, so the MBA is 12 units and I started off with a grad cert in business. That's only four units and you can do that in a year. So 12 hours a week for a year. And the, the units are organizational behavior, economics, marketing, and accounting. And honestly, just having those, you'll be light years ahead of everyone else just understanding those fundamentals of business. Mm. And I also think yeah. one, one final thing is like, 
this fucking thing that set me off on Twitter, man. This guy's like, oh, an NBA comes to a startup and goes, oh, you know, your your retention's down. So is your, you know, attraction of customers. <laughs> you should look into that and fix it. And I reply and I'm like, first of all, my initial reaction is get fucked. I mean, that's a pretty shit NBA. First of all, a good NBA will come through and say, okay, these two things are happening in your business. Here are some of the strategies and tactics that you should be applying yeah. to your business. A great NBA will come in, do those things, set them up for you and measure against them. And perhaps if they're contracting as well, get those things done for you or get the right people in. Because no good just going to business appointing and saying, oh, over there. That's great for like coaching and a few other things. But if you're very specific, especially with startups and you are really good at this, those are the things you should be doing. And I think the final thing I'll say is not all MBAs are like me or like Trav or like Raf or like Josh. You know, there's, there's a few that aren't. There are a few that coasted through, that did it for the piece of paper and they've got relatively the same ideas as when they started. Just because you have an MBA does not mean you're not a potato. I've seen quite a few MBAs that are potatoes and I would not hire. But I've got to say the overwhelming amount of my cohort, like over 80%, I would absolutely hire any day. I think um, what it's good is about like a mix. Like for, in our team, for example, like, um, you know, Aman and I don't have MBAs, but even when you and I work, you know, did a lot of work in the past few years, like we have a good balance. Like it's a, it's a completely yeah. different perspective. Like I don't come from, I haven't done any university degree or business degree like mine's yeah completely different but then I, there's a lot of areas that i struggle that i need the, that real strategic thinking right on your side like so i think it balances itself out really well absolutely and when you talk about team composition team performance all these kind of things you know all the good shit you learn in the nba uh that's exactly right could you this is the thing if you had the chicago bulls your shirt imagine if there was a team of michael jordans that would be fucked yeah. Or a team of Scotty Pippins. You need different people on the team with different skill sets, different experiences. You don't have to have an MBA on your team. Yeah. MBA was just the path for me to gain all of those, the experience, the knowledge, the language, meet all those people, to learn all of those things in a very structured, compact and safe way. Yeah. The other way would be to have multiple businesses, do all these kind of things and you don't necessarily have all that control. That was a go fast path for me. And it really expanded my knowledge and skill set to the point where I then knew what I wanted and could apply that. And people were telling me just in my old work how much I had changed and the things I was doing now and the way I thought strategically and was able to convey messages to people and how much of a better communicator I'd become. And that's because yeah. I did that study. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I think I'd like to do it one day. Um, but yeah, like you said, I've just uh, probably the timing career-wise... And it's a lot. It's a big commitment, right? It's not. It's not an easy thing to just go and do. The one you should do is for you, probably later on, like when you're when you're thirty or a bit older. Is I think it's the executive MBA at Harvard. It's the God course, right? So this is one. I think it's only. I don't know. How, it might be three months. Full time or six months full time. I'll have to look into it, but. This is the one where like when West Farmers, so a big company in Australia, they're looking for their next CEO. They'll send like 20 or 30 people there and mate, they had just weapons. Like it's you running through like, you know, finance, like what's your return on assets? What's this? What's that? This is the framework we use. This is the way, oh, mate. It is just unbelievable. It's like, what's your free cash flow? What's this? Like that is one. So people like um, even Swiss Beats, like all these rappers, all these guys have gone and done that course because they jam knowledge into your head really quickly. And if you're yeah. a practitioner, this is the one that you want to get into. Amazing. 
Amazing. All right. Uh, so cool, there okay. you go. NBA's aren't all trash. They're not all trash. Now, what wouldn't be trash Bergs would be a Ben and Bergs podcast summit or conference. Mate. So, so, okay, here we go. Here we go. We've got three options. So a summit, a conference, and a meetup. So the difference between those, a summit is like, you know, top of the wazza. You're inviting the best people in their fields to present. A conference is people that are interested and they present on research or whatever the fuck they're doing. Or would it be more like a kind of meetup type thing, a multiple day meetup experiential retreat type thing? What are you thinking, mate? Which of those do you like? I, I, think, I think we should do like a lot just even starting from the starting from the bottom now we're here starting from the bottom um yeah boy pub pub meetup live pod yeah. oh, lads <laughs> all right okay okay let's start there let's start there that's good because we're not the all-in podcast you know we're not going to do a fucking summit with fucking raging yeah, investment bankers be, talking about some shit i don't fucking understand <laughs> what we are is we've got a 500 bar tab minimum so there you go thank courtesy of ben We'll, we'll bump that up to uh, to quite a bit more. All right. We'll have a pub meetup. We'll meet all the degenerates that actually listen to this. Love you. You're amazing. Would be nothing without you. And then we'll, we'll have a few beers and uh, we'll do a live pod, mate. We'll do a live pod. So if we get a venue, maybe maybe probably Melbourne is probably the best place. I reckon that's where I'm Yeah, I'll fly out. All right. Come over to Melbourne. We'll hire out a pub for the, for the, for the evening. A few froffies, live pod, live Q&A. And then um, they just rip into it. Burgers, chicken, wings. Oh, so, yeah, okay, right. So what food are we going to have, mate? We've got, we've got to have hot wings, definitely. Hot wings, chicken burgers, obviously. Um, big burgers or sliders? No, nah, big burgers. Fuck the pussy. Yeah, boy. <laughs> um, oh, this is going to be sick. Yeah, no, nah, prop, like proper food. Like right. lots of beers on tap. Yeah, um, huge bar tab. Huge bar tab, yeah. Uh, a whole listenership of alcoholics. We know it already. Correct. <laughs> And if you're not, you soon will be. <laughs> that is so, awesome. All right, we're going to hire out. Yeah, we'll hire out a pub, hire yeah. out a room. Yeah. Food's on, beers yeah. are on, and we'll do a live yeah. pod. Yeah, I think sometime, sometime next year, maybe early to mid next year. Early, maybe. man. We'll do summertime, man. Beers okay. taste better. Maybe like maybe like March, Feb or March. Yeah, maybe March. Okay. Okay. Oh, this is going to be good, man. I can't wait. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. Uh, even be if it's you and I, mate, even if no one shows up, it'll be good fun. I'm, I'm having oh, mate, we'll smash a bar tab, no worries. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just do the pot us too, mate. <laughs> yeah. It'd be so good. It'd be so good. Okay, oh, amazing. Man. Cool. So Let's good. get into uh, account personal growth. So how did you Ben, go- Ben, Ben. Oh, okay. Did you understand the rules this week, oh, mate? fuck off, mate. The rules you set yourself, did you understand them? Of course I did. Oh, course yeah, I did, but you mate. said that last week and you didn't, mate. <laughs> So, so, jog our memories. What what was your challenge for the week, mate? My challenge for the week was uh, no phone in my bedroom um, of an evening. So when I go, no social media, basically. Like, um, first of all, it was no social media before midday, and then it was like to leave my phone out in the kitchen when I went to when I went to bed. So I didn't use my phone before going to bed or when I woke up. Tick, mate. Tick that off. Black what about the night you didn't sleep, mate? Did you get up and use your phone? Okay, to be to be clear, it was no social media on my phone in my bedroom. I went out to the kitchen to use my phone to message. And go on social media? No, no social media. Kept it out there. Didn't go on social media. Kept it so, out Wait, wait, wait. 
I'm going to go on your Twitter, mate. And if I find a bloody post between those hours, you're gone, son. Uh, no, hold up a minute. So... No, no, no hold up, No, mate. no, 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 no. So the goal here was Look at you, not, slippery motherfucker. Look at you. not to use social media and start scrolling. I did have a couple of tweets that popped up that were absolute gold. So I went in, I opened Twitter, hit the compose, wrote the tweet, bang, published, closed. Didn't look at anything, no notifications, no slide. Mate, I'm trying to build a personal brand, mate. I can't, I can't not have like these golden tweets come out in great moments. You slippery gypsy, mate. You are just sliding <laughs> away, mate. Trying not to pay another 500 bucks. You could have set this up earlier, put it on a timer, put it on some software. No, mate. mate, nah, it, that's it. We're going we're gonna to get more specific about these bloody goals, mate, because that is horseshit. That is horseshit. <laughs> I'll give it to you this week, but mate, we're going to have to set some rules. You need some boundaries, son. Oh, fuck. You need to roll. Ron, how's, your, how's, your, how's, your paint, how's your paint job, mate? Who'd you mate, outsource to do it. your painting? Nah, smashed it. So this was very, very painful, right? Like this is the worst thing I did not want to do, man. And I had to do it just over the weekend, right? So I had to cram in so much stuff. So I get out the the bloody polyfiller and I start filling in all the bloody gaps and I'm like sanding it back. And then the missus comes along and she goes, oh yeah, those tiles, like they're not sealed on the top. We should probably paint those as well. And I'm like, oh fuck. So I'm looking at the clock and I'm like, oh shit, because I've got to seal the tiles now and I've got to go around and do all this extra stuff. And I'm like, look, it's just not going to get done today. And I'm like, oh shit, like it's not going to be done by Monday. We're going to have the pot. I'm going to... Ben is just going to roast me for the rest of my life and I'm not having that. So look, I just went hard, sanded it all back and then um, sealed everything. And then on the Sunday, I ended up doing the cutting in twice and two coats as well, about two and a half hours each time. So five hours of painting plus all the prep and putting shit away and putting the tape on and taking the tape off and scraping things. It was my whole weekend, mate, but I did it because I'm like that and I'm accountable, Ben. I'm accountable to our audience. I'm accountable to you. And that's the type of man I am, mate. So absolutely smashed it. And now I sent Ben photos, progress photos, and he was just roasting me trying to get in my head, but I wouldn't let it happen. You know, living in my head rent-free, mate. And now I just walk into the bathroom. It looks amazing. I feel like I've achieved something. <laughs> it just feels great. It feels good to finally do that, man. How is this accountability? This is unbelievable. Like compounding too. Like you've you've crushed. You, what did you do? Stretching. Then you did the you did painting and you salt my arcade the, machine, which was painful. Arcade man. machine. Bang bang bang. I'm I'm now going to the gym. I went to the gym yet on Sunday, mate. I haven't gone to the gym on a Sunday in fucking years. Been going to the gym five, maybe six times a week. Not using my phone before lunchtime. Uh, social media. I'm I'm wired in. I'm not taking it to bed. I'm wired in. And now, Bergs, I've come up with my next week. Here we go. I'm going to, I'm going to read a book. I'm going to read, Bergs, for 30... Fuck, I can't believe I'm saying this. 30 minutes a day, every day, until the next pod. Easy, mate. 30 minutes is nothing. Can you perhaps do something harder? You're you going to be on a plane for 24 hours, mate. You could finish I've, a whole book. I've tried to read 30 minutes a day for a long, long time, but I'm... ADHD, I'm fucking fidgety, I'm trying to do stuff, I cannot sit down for more than five minutes, I'm buzzing. All right, these, okay, I understand, these are individual goals and it's about you doing your personal best, not what someone else sets for you, right? That is and hard if, like, for me. Yeah, that like again, hard. selling an arcade machine might be easy for someone else, but it was yeah, the mate, hardest thing. Mate, and you're right, that in my but, sleep. but you're right, this compounds so much, like the cognitive offload I have now not having that arcade machine and having that bathroom painted is, and, and just stretching, right, is incredible. Because I now go out and when I lift weights, there's no arcade machine. It's not tight. I feel good. Not tight to like move my weights around. I've got more space. And I feel good that I've achieved something. And I walk into that bathroom. I'm like, 
this isn't bothering me anymore. Like for 10 years, it's been bothering me. And I didn't realize how much it's been bothering me. I could literally feel the pain and the tension from it. That is now gone. It is incredible. It is so, so good. All right. So it's compounding for you. You're going to read 30 minutes every day. Now let's set the rules. You got to start today. I ain't letting you off today, mate. Between now and the next pod, which should be Monday, but it might not because Ben, I cancel everything. Simpson will probably reschedule it. So between now and the next pod, minimum 30 minutes per day. Cannot skip a day and do fucking an hour tomorrow, mate. Fucking hell. Okay. And what book are you going to read? Do you even have a book with you? Yeah, I've, I've got books with me and I have not fucking opened up. I travel because I, I bring them. Everywhere I go, I'm like, I'll bring a book. I'll fucking read. I'll read. I'll read. Don't read. Yeah, I'll read, mate. Never happens. <laughs> So, I'm just going to... I don't know where the book is. I've got, I'll pick a book. I'll pick a book. All right. Brilliant. And I want some, uh, I want some notes, mate. I'm going to quiz you. Hopefully, it's one I've read before. Okay. <laughs> All right. No, that's got, awesome, man. man. That's really got? good because that's, that's a hard thing to sit down, not be fidgety. And especially with the things you've got going on, the way you've been operating, the 15-hour days, the way your brain works, jumping from one thing to the next, that's a very difficult thing to do is sit, down sit still, just read. Yeah. 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 And not feel like you're wasting time or you need to be doing yep. something else or yep. have to be, it's be good for the mental right. health. I got? love it. I love it. That is a hard thing and that's what I like about it, man. Brilliant. What, what this is about me? hard shit. All right. So this is mine. And I really thought about what I want to do and yes, I could do more painting. I could sell another thing. I could do whatever. But my challenge is that I sit down too much and I work too much, right? Like I always put that ahead of everything else. And how do I reverse that? Like just saying, oh, don't work so much. I don't do it. It's not really going to work for me because I like it and I do it. What I really need to do is just move more. That is the thing that I need to do. So my challenge for this week is to do something every day. So I'm going to walk for a minimum of 30 minutes every day. Just get outside, get in the sun and go for a walk. I usually walk for about an hour, but let's just set it at 30 minutes, right? Okay. Because yep. I've got other stuff as well. And look, if it's raining... I probably won't go for a walk. Like I would do it to not lose to you, but I'm like, fuck that. I'll do like 40 burpees instead because I hate burpees. They suck and 40 is a lot for me. That absolutely sucks, right? But generally the sun's good. So I'm going to walk 30 minutes every day. On top of that, between now and the next pod, which will be Monday, which is fine. I'm going to lift weights three times minimum, like three decent sessions. In those sessions, it's going to have to be minimum 100 kilo deadlift, minimum 40 kilo military press, Minimum 60 kilo bench. Yeah, my bench is weak. I get it. Uh, unless I'm injured, right? So they're the minimums. Obviously, I'm going to try and lift more than that. Yep. And one day is going to be dead and press. The other one's going to be dead bench. The other one's going to be dead press. So and there we you, go. Do you do this regularly, Bergs? Like, are you hitting the gym doing heavyweights like that regularly? Or is this is this banging? So I, I was. I was three times a week until about probably three weeks ago. It went down to two times a week because I got a little bit sick and I had like a niggling injury. Yep. Last week was, I had two workouts, but only one was heavy weights and the other was like throwing a medicine ball around and some kettlebell stuff. Okay. So this is going to be incredibly challenging for me because okay. recovery is very hard for me as well because I just sleep like a dog. So if I'm lifting this amount to recover within two sleeps is very, very hard for me to do, but I'm going to have to tackle it. I'm going to have to eat shit and build up my resilience so I can start doing this three times a week because I want to get those gains. Okay. And the thing is, I want to close that fucking Captain's a Crush gripper, mate. Like, that is my goal of what I want to get to, right? And, okay, okay so, so for people that don't know about this, there's a grip challenge. And it's like a, it's one of these, right? These are called Captain's a Crush grippers. Yeah. This is the number one gripper. And that is 66 kilos of grip strength, right? Like, yeah. closed. Yeah. 
The majority of people can't close that. The average grip strength is about 45, 50 kilos for an average man. I've closed the number two, which is 88 kilos of grip strength, Oof. right? I can't Oof. close it regularly, but I've closed it like probably twice in the last couple of weeks. To get certified, you have to close number three. It's certified? Certified, right? Like you legit, like only 300 people in the world have done it. You have to close. So this is going to be a multi-year journey. 127 kilos of grip strength. I'm at about 88 at my best. So I have to get about 50% more, which is incredible. And I'm going to have to train grip three times per week and lift like that for at least minimum, I reckon, a year to get up that strength to be able to achieve that goal. Okay, mate, let's do it. (laughs) It's an insane goal, goal, but fuck it, go for the stars, mate. Okay. Okay. Absolutely. Nice work. Well, they're compounding, mate, week on week. They are. And, Um, And Ben, Ben, mate. Oh, but this is the whole thing as well. It's like people are like, oh, they work a lot. And it's like, oh, you're rich. Well, why aren't you happy? And with me, it's just like, I've got, I'm like, oh yeah, great. You're happy, but you're not fit. Like you're smart, but you're not you're like, you're fat. Like what's wrong with you? You're not strong. You're an idiot. You're living a dumb life. So I can tackle that. Now, Ben, let's talk about how extreme you are, mate. You had to cancel the pod on Monday. And Ben sends me a photo. He's like, oh mate, look, I'm not feeling too great. I've got to cancel the pod. And he's got a drip in his bloody arm. And I'm like, oh, fuck, lad. Like, what happened, mate? And he starts telling me a story. And Ben. And this, this is just after he's posting thought leader posts on Twitter. Global luminary. Ben Simpson posting things like, to have an extraordinary life, you need to be able to do extraordinary things. And I'm thinking, what a load of fucking shit. And then he sends me this and Ben, you did an extraordinary thing. Do you want to tell people what happened and why we had to postpone the pod, mate? I feel like that scene, well, you brought this up, Berg, the Wolf of Wall Street when um, What's-His-Face has too many of the... Uh, too many lewds. Lewds. And he's crawling to get the lewds. Like, uh, he tries to get in the car. He's trying to drive. He's full paralytic and drooling everywhere. Donnie nearly fucking dies. Like, he took too many. <laughs> and he drives his car. Oh, my God. Anyway. Oh. Okay. So, been hustling over here in Dubai on my own. Work my ass off. Working mornings, nights. Not sleeping much. I'm having You've been sleeping. crushing it. And also, mate, I've got to say, sorry to interrupt, but you are getting epic results. Like, when you went on this trip, these results, results are probably 10x what I thought you would get. It is incredible, man. Yeah, it's, it, been, it's it, been awesome. You've been doing amazing been really good but it's come as a cost i've been having sleeping pills i've been having stomach pills for my acid i've been having like uh bloating pills i've been having like food vitamins i've been having panadol i've been having like all this shit to try and keep my body moving and i started to get really like constipated basically like bloated over the last over the weekend to a point i got really bad i bought these from the pharmacy like these herbal laxative things i was like okay maybe this will just get the get the get the system moving a little bit had one, didn't do anything. Had another one, didn't do anything. Wait a few hours. Had another two, didn't do anything. I was like, fuck, I'm feeling shit here. Went out for dinner. Had one before I went out for dinner. Come back, still doing nothing. Right, fuck. Had another two before I went to bed. Ended up having seven of these tablets. <laughs> what was, ben, what was the recommended dose? Two a day. <laughs> two, <laughs> two a day. I had and seven. you had seven. I had seven. Along with all the other shit I was taking, woke up. Two hours in and just was in all sorts of hurt, mate. I was on the toilet, I reckon, on and off for eight hours. Oh. It was awful. 
I, I rang the doctor because I felt terrible. Like I was like dizzy. I was like oh, dehydrated. Yeah. Doc comes in. My blood pressure was like fucked. I had no sugar. Like my body was just in all sorts of fucking problems. Shit. So they laid me down. They plugged me in, got me on the IV drip. I was having all sorts of bloody um, vitamins and like all these like injections to try and get my body up and going. And he's like, what did you do, mate? He's like, oh, I had a few of these. He said, how many did you have? I had seven. He said, mate. They don't work like straight away. They, they take a while <laughs> to hit. I was like, oh, right, really? So they all hit at once and completely fucking nearly OD'd on bloody herbal bowel. <laughs> I, could just, I could just imagine him looking at you. He's like, you dumb idiot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, man, it'd be so funny. Absolutely yeah, mate, so hilarious, man. Feeling better today. I took the day off his sales. Absolutely cooked. Feeling better today, though. I'm back, back, yeah. back on my feet. Oh, brilliant. That's, that's the way, mate. This, you've actually reminded me of um, John McAfee as well. Remember that guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where he said when he was young, he like took some DMT and it didn't kick in. So he did like 10 times the dose. And mate, he went so deep that for the next 60 or 50 years of his life, he just thought he'd wake up back on the couch as a kid. Like, <laughs> because his life has been so wild and he went so deep, he doesn't know what's reality and what's not, mate. That's ridiculous. You're, you're extreme. Extreme, Ben. So good. So good. Um, Right, Berg, so I've got five minutes, mate, so we have to whip through the, the meme in the week and middle of the week. But um, next week, I'm going to be back on, um, heading back on a plane tomorrow, back to the land down under. I'm excited. Oh, lovely. So we'll be back on normal time zones. Hopefully, it won't cancel every, every week for you. All right, let's get into meme of the week. And I've got, uh, I've got more than one, but uh, we'll whip through them quickly. So this is amazing. This is my favorite one. This is, this is definitely aimed at me. So there's a picture of Homelander just smiling, the biggest <laughs> smile. And it says, when your joke is so good that there's a special meeting with HR and the managing director just to talk about it. <laughs> so good. That is literally so, you. <laughs> yeah, I always push the boundaries of memes and jokes at work. One day I'm getting fired, but you know, for now it's still good. I'm like, today is the day, sweet release of firing. But no, we just keep pushing it. And then another event happened during the week. So this is the, do you know, do you know who that is, mate? Yeah. The old, British, the British Prime Minister. Yeah, president, yeah. yeah, so so funny. She's like, I'm a fighter. No, it's, it's an Irish accent. I'm a fighter, not a quitter. And then on the bottom of the meme, you got Tyler the Creator with the microphone going, So that was a fucking lie. <laughs> so good. She got ousted in 40 days. Was she, is she gone within a, a month? She's right? done, mate. She's done. Month and a half. See you later. But she was How supposed that, to be a fighter. Did, did she quit or did she get voted out? She left, mate. She was out. And then here we go. There's, there's a picture of her. <laughs> With a Thanos chin. And it just looks so good. And it says, becomes Prime Minister unelected. Kills the Queen. Destroys the economy. Destroys the Conservative Party. Leaves. How good. If that isn't Thanos, I don't know what is, mate. That is just 40 like, days. How yeah. is that even possible? Mate, you just get in there. You just hit that limit. So you get that pension for the rest of your life. And then you're late, mate. <laughs> Here we go. This is, this is the beans, though. This is from some tabloid. And it's an iceberg lettuce in blonde wig outlast Liz Truss. So they literally got a lettuce, put it on a desk, put a blonde wig on it and live streamed it and it survived longer than, than Liz <laughs> Trust. And I'm going to read this out because it's cracking. A wilting 60p iceberg lettuce from Tesco in a blonde wig has been crowned the winner of a bizarre competition after outlasting Liz Truss's tenacious grip on power. <laughs> They, the Daily Star webcam set it up to see if it would have a longer shelf life than the Prime Minister. To add to Truss's humiliating resignation, the lettuce won. And the, 
As they made her statement, the YouTube live stream soared to 20,000 people. When the Prime Minister confirmed her departure, a plastic gold crown was placed on the now browning leafy vegetable. <laughs> and, it goes, and the caption was changed to the lettuce outlast live trust. <laughs> and then the lettuce was inundated with messages of congratulations in a chat box beside the video. They included lettuce rejoice. Lettuce being having you. Lettuce for PM. Lettuce one. Trust zero. Trust sunk by an iceberg. And the final thing on this, this is cracking. What else could Liz Truss have done in 45 days? She could have cooked 9,257 hard-boiled eggs. She could have listened 108 times to the Beatles' entire back catalogue of 213 songs. Watched 19 full-length test cricket matches. Binge-watched binge all the episodes of The Crown on Netflix 38 times or travelled back and forth along the Trans-Siberian <laughs> Railway six and a half times, mate. Unbelievable. Amazing. She got That's roasted. Funny, so good. Okay. So yeah, good. Bergs. All right. M- Let's league. jump back in. We're, we're back. Ben had to leave for a very important investor meeting, as you always do. You just call them investor. Was it really an investor meeting, mate? No, it wasn't an investor meeting. It was with uh, corporate it's body. B2B. B2B. All right. Yeah, fair enough. All right, all good. So, Mate, shall we jump into uh, Meal of the Week? Dude, I'm going to miss I can see food. your Meal of the Week. I'm going to oh, pull yours up. Fuck. And I'm I can now so tell bad. why you were constipated, mate. Walk <laughs> us through this one. You know what you know the funny thing is? I had this last night when I was constipated. <laughs> <laughs> on, the, on last week on the pod... Which you like, oh, I ate these fat burritos. Old mate knows me by name. And I have these Mexican colas and I have tortilla chips. And you're wondering why you're all backed up, mate. This is why. You're like, oh, but I'm going to the gym six times a week, mate. And I'm not on my phone with social media. I've literally literally had tacos and burritos every day while I've been here. Like 30 days in a row. That's probably why. Mate. Look at them though. Look at it. They do look delicious. Can you blame me? Like oh, this mate, has let, got let me, this uh, chicken. Oh, look at that! It's chicken. Okay, so they come out. The tortilla is warm. This got this chicken that's been like, I don't even know, spiced up like unbelievable. Got this cos lettuce, cold cos lettuce with cheese melted on top and chipotle sauce. Fuck, I'm that hungry. I'm gonna go get something in a minute after we've done this. It makes me hungry. This is unbelievable. <laughs> this place they give you the give you the corn chips, little Mexican cola. Honestly, I've been here nearly every day. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Nearly every day. And it just gets better and better. This is a... It's a 9.9, Bergs. Mate, I was going to say, it's got to be close to a 10 because you are fiending this. No, I'm fiending. And look at it. Because you got the inter... Look at just... First of all, just look at the color. It just looks so appetizing. You got more than one. Yeah. And it's the interplay between hot and cold sweet and spicy and you got your sweet drink and the crunch of the chips and the sauce as well mate this is like the social media equivalent of dopamine in food where it just hits all those receptors mate yeah literally making me like crave it right now but I can't it can't be a 10 because I had the day off yesterday because I'm fucking backed up so (laughs) so if it didn't give you the shits it'd be a 10 (laughs) oh sorry if it didn't back you up rather (laughs) I suppose it's better than getting the shits alright man (laughs) So this is my meal of the week. So this, mate, is amazing. So on the left, we've got uh, dal palak, which is just spinach and lentils. On the right, we have a cauliflower korma. And then, got a couple of curries here, mate. We have a spicy chicken curry 
and we have chana masala, which is this like really spicy chickpea vegetarian awesome thing. And we had uh, a lot of our friends come over on Saturday and we ended up playing board games, drinking way too much bloody port and wine and all that kind of stuff. And my missus made this and it was incredible, mate. Like it was so fresh and spicy and just nourishing. It's like an old Indian lady just gave you a hug around your stomach, mate. It was unbelievable. It yeah, was it so, good. so good. Yeah, man. It was just, it was incredible. And it was made the day before. So all the flavors went through. It was just absolutely delicious. I'm going to give this eight and a half out of 10, mate. Nice. And the reason is I take off one point because I just want it heaps spicier. Yeah, and yeah. then I'll take off half a point because I'd like some like fresh herbs and everything put through it and then it oh, would yeah. just be incredible. But I could eat this all day, every day, mate. This is the food of my people and I was blown away. <laughs> it's so good. Cool, man. Mate, um, let's get into gratitude and kindness oh, yes. of the week. So I've got mine and this might sound a bit weird, but I'm so grateful for the sun. Like, seriously, I was thinking about this the other day. Like, I wake up and I'll go outside and I'll get some sun. And just feeling that on my body and feeling it on my face is incredible. It just makes me feel happy, alive, thankful. We've been through winter. Winter absolutely sucks. It's cold. It's miserable. It's annoying. You can't go for walks. You can't get outside. The sun is great. It helps things grow. It shows up every day. We get energy from it. It's This is the reason we're alive. So I'm like grateful for the sun. Thank you, son. Thank you for showing up. Amazing. Mate, what I about would, you? You got, a, you got a gratitude or a kindness? I do. I am grateful for this month in Dubai. Uh, I've had a... I leave tomorrow. I've had a belter of a month. I feel as though I've had every emotion. We've been volatile as fuck. We've, we've cried together, Bergs. We've laughed yep. this month. It's been, it's been a wild month. Um, but to come off the back, I'm coming home with, um, with investors on board. I'm coming home with momentum, confidence... I'm coming home with a, like a new perspective on where we're at. Um, just, I just feel as though like I'm on another level. Like I really do. I, I was saying this other guy yesterday. Like although I feel sick and crook, I just feel like I'm really I, the team we've got phenomenal. What we've been able to pull together, um, and just just where we're headed and the momentum we have. I'm just yeah, super grateful. We've had an amazing month. This place is incredible, Dubai. Like I couldn't live here. But I certainly will be coming back. One hundred thousand percent, I'll be coming back. Just the people I've met here and and work with and seen and just like it just brings you up. The people you spend time with, the 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 people, the place that you're in, you're out of your comfort zone. You're forced to make shit happen. You know, like the, you can go one of two ways here. You can go into your shell and you can just have a shit time, live in your hotel and hate life, or you just fucking get amongst it and. Um, and 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 I, the first week I didn't get amongst it, I was fucking scared yeah. and I was like yeah. I was tired I was miserable I wanted to go home, and then something switched just got amongst it and I've had an epic time. I remember you saying that we like I don't want to be here missing my mates it's a footy grand final but I'm here for work, and then you just like I never want to leave, <laughs> and we talk about being in the right room and being the dumbest guy in that room right yeah full of smart people and it sounds like Dubai is the place for that where everyone's just playing on another level so you yeah. automatically elevate where you are to attain more than you are just yeah. being around that and seeing you know people pouring out champagne or the riches they have or the way they do business or the money they have to invest yeah. being around that must be really inspiring yeah 100% inspiring motivating um, so yeah grateful grateful to be coming home I'm super fucking pumped to get home um, but yeah it's been a good month been a cracker month amazing mate 
What a note to end on. Fantastic. Great note to end on. Great episode. Next week, we'll be back in Australia, both of us. Uh, Thanks, everyone, for listening. As always, if you like this episode, we'd love for you to give us a review, uh, good, bad, or ugly, and um, hit us up on Twitter, at BabyBackBerg, and at BenSimpsonAU. Send us a uh, tweet, a DM. If you love being in a pod, uh, any feedback would be greatly appreciated. And we are going to update our website. So we've got a site, benandbergs.com. Oh, yeah. It's all just spelt out. And on there, we've got links to our socials. We're going to have the bar tab on there and a few other little surprises uh, if Ben pulls his finger out and updates it. That's accountability for me, I think. You've been on, you've been <laughs> yeah, on my back for fucking ages. Update the website, accountability. <laughs> and mate, wait, before, before we go, you had this harebrained scheme. You pushed one of our meetings today. And uh, what time are you getting up tomorrow, mate? And why are you doing it? I'm up at 4 a.m. tomorrow, I think. Um, yeah, and why? Extreme Ben, why are you getting up at 4 a.m.? To, to, to break the jet lag so I can get straight into meetings when I get back to Melbourne. <laughs> Does this actually work? Uh, so there's this app called Time Shifter, um, and it's a whole strategy I go through whenever I fly internationally to minimize the jet lag, to optimize efficiency. <laughs> okay, you, you told me the pitch, but does it work? Yeah, it genuinely works. Like, Oh, awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Because, because so I, when you rock up, you'll be like, I'm optimizing efficiency. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I won't, I won't be like 100%, but I'll be like 60%. I won't be like 5%. That's good enough. You know, I know yeah. some people that take like five days to get over jet lag. It's just like, I don't have fucking time for that. Like I need like a day and then just get back into it. Yeah. People are falling asleep like mid-meeting. Yeah. Oh, and mate, I, like, I'm flying pleb, pleb class. Like if you're flying um, business, usually it, it's better because you can get to sleep in. But I'm flying pleb class, so I need to, you know, try to optimize as much as possible. How long's a flight from uh, Dubai to Sydney? 14 hours. And it's, during the, and it's during the day. So it's going to be fucking shit. 14 hours during the day in economy, mate. And then, and then wake up in the day again um like wake up in the morning not wake up but like land in the morning so it's gonna yeah because there's seven hours difference between dubai and sydney mate so i'm chasing the sun so it's the worst flight ever basically that's what i'm saying amazing amazing (laughs) don't forget to do your reading mate (laughs) oh fuck yeah true half an hour a day okay awesome all right mate great episode thanks everyone for listening catch you later